Gary, we certainly do appreciate the time today. Hope you're doing well as we're coming to you live from here on the Plains. I am doing well. I appreciate you guys having me. You're really nice. All right, so uh, let's get right to it. I want to get to the Coaching for Literacy uh, game coming up. We had a great segment kind of talking about it earlier in the program, but i got to talk Auburn with you because the, uh, the fact that we've got you on the program is an honor here. And knowing college basketball as well as you did, knowing that you could follow Gary Parrish on social media, at Gary Parrish CBS, and your last Instagram post, Gary, is our beloved guy, Bruce Pearl. I'm like, this is perfect. It's the perfect opportunity to have this thing set up. We are living in a world where for the first time ever this season, Auburn was the number one team in all of college basketball. As someone who covers the sport for as many of years as you have, how wild is that? Well, it is wild um, in a vacuum, but unsurprising that Bruce Pearl has built another college basketball monster uh, because he's one of the best uh, doing it today and arguably one of the best to ever do it. Um, you mentioned um, that that video from my post-game interview with Bruce after Auburn beat Kentucky on CBS Sports because I was fortunate enough to be um, on the sideline uh, for, for that game, which was a, a real honor. Um, I don't do a lot of sideline reporting, mm-hmm. um, but I was thrilled when um, I was asked by my bosses to do that. And I've known Bruce long enough to know that um, all I had to do was tee him up <laughs> and he could take it from there. And he, he really did create one of the great sound bites of this college basketball season. I, I'll tell you, um, like I said, I've known Bruce for a long time, and right after he got the Auburn job, um, I, I came to Auburn. Uh, my family and I, we live in Memphis, as you know, and uh, we were driving down to the beach, and we had to go a little out of our way to get to Auburn, but I thought it was uh, worth doing. And I remember sitting down with Bruce and his staff, and um, you know, he, I don't think he would mind me sharing the story. He, he wasn't sure that he would be able to replicate what he did at Tennessee, at Auburn. He thought it would be difficult. Um, I remember him saying this is going to be more challenging than, than, you know, than it was, you know, in Knoxville, you know, could you recruit to Auburn the way he could recruit to Tennessee? Um, could you win at a high level at Auburn like you won at Tennessee? And if you did win at a high level at Auburn, you know, would people care like they did at Tennessee? And as we sit here in February, 2022, we've got the answers to all those questions and they are yes, Yes, and yes, you can clearly recruit. He's got two five-stars in his front court, including the guy who might be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft in Jabari Smith. Um, you can win at a high level. Been doing that for a few years now. And do people care? Woo! I tell you, I've been in every place you can go to in college basketball. Cameron Indoor, Allen Fieldhouse, Hinkle Fieldhouse, the Kennel at Gonzaga, Assembly Hall at Indiana, Rupp Arena, you name it. Uh, that's really just evidence that I'm getting old. I've been everywhere, um, but I have been everywhere. And, you know, that scene um, at Auburn against Kentucky was as good as you'll ever see. And it wasn't just that way because Kentucky was there. You guys know uh, they're filling that building up every night, and it's an incredible home court environment. And so um, it's really nice to see. You know, um, in, in what Bruce has shown is that um, if, if you are an SEC-level school, and you invest in your program and you invest in your staff, good things can happen if you hire the right guy 
And, uh, boy, they so clearly got the right guy at Auburn. No doubt about that. Let me follow up on that. Gary Parrish of CBS Sports is our guest here today. You mentioned the Kentucky win and getting to be a part of the broadcast there with Brad Nessler and Raftery and what fun you guys had for that one. Uh, getting to be in the jungle for Auburn and Kentucky and what is the Tigers' signature win so far this season. Auburn, as uh, obviously the first season we're mentioning being the number one team of the program, now people are like, wow, this is a cool environment to be a part of. College game day from ESPN came for just the second time ever this season for an Auburn basketball game. What else stood out to you? Like, talk me through what it was like to be there in the building for such a big game like that against Kentucky. Well, first, um, the smart thing that the university did when they designed that building is they made it a manageable number. Right. Like, I think it's around 9,000 or something, which is that's perfect for college basketball. I mean, unless you're Kentucky, Louisville, North Carolina, Indiana, Kansas, you don't need 18,000 seats. I mean, Memphis plays in FedEx Forum, um, where I live. It's 18,000 seats. And when it's filled, it's great. But it's almost never full. Um, Even when John Calipari was the coach, they didn't have hard sellout too often. Um, What you're seeing going forward is most colleges building buildings around this size. They're about to open up a new basketball arena at Texas next season. It's going to hold 10,000. You know, that's the University of Texas. And they're like, <laughs> smaller is better. You know, the kennel at Gonzaga is about 6,000. Cameron Indoor for Duke is about, you know, eight to 9,000. Um, that's the best way to create an incredible home court advantage is to make it a reasonable number where you can fill it up consistently. And so that's the first thing they did. But then you've got, to put a, you've got to put a good product in there. And they obviously have that now. Um, I just, you know, the, the fan, uh, the students coming in early, um, you know, rushing in, that was quite the scene. Bruce taking the time to go out and speak to them before the game um, was another reminder that he really just gets it. Like, you know, um, one of the things that Bruce is incredible at, and John Calipari, you know, was very good at this as, as well, was um, making people feel like they're a part of your success, making people feel like what's happening um, wouldn't be possible without you. Now, whether that's true or not is debatable, but when Bruce takes you know seven minutes out of his pregame to just speak to the students, the rest of the arena is empty, but he's just speaking to the students. It makes them feel like they know Bruce Pearl. It makes them feel like they're a part of it. And that's how you make lifelong fans. And so, you know, it was louder than a normal arena. Um, it was wilder than a normal arena. And then, you know, uh, not everybody, you know, walking around Auburn Arena knows who Gary Parrish is, obviously. <laughs> but, but they recognize the CBS jacket, you know? The, the, you know, if only, if only because they've seen Jim Nance wear it a million times. <laughs> And so when they see that jacket, um, you know, they, they, you'll get some double take. And it was just really nice uh, how many people stopped to say how appreciative they were that we were there. Really, that Raft was there. That's who they care about. But that CBS was there. Um, you know, maybe at a place like Kentucky um, or North Carolina or Duke, you can take that stuff for granted. It's still somewhat new for Auburn men's basketball. And, and the folks, I mean, I couldn't even keep count of how many people – stop to just say something nice, um, wish me or us well. Um, it was really, really kind. 
Gary, this Auburn team is in a conversation that they have very seldom, of, co- of course, been in in their program's history, and that conversation being teams that can win the national championship. When you look at the other teams in this conversation, like Gonzaga, Purdue, Duke, Kentucky, what matchup would you most be interested in seeing uh, an Auburn team play? Well, um, you know, another Auburn-Kentucky game with a healthy tie tie Washington would be fine because obviously the Wildcats lost in mid-game um, earlier this season. Um, you know, a, a, an Auburn-Duke game would be fantastic in the NCAA tournament because you get two guys competing to be the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft at Duke, Paulo Bancaro, and at Auburn, of course, Jabari Smith. For the same reasons, Auburn-Gonzaga would be fantastic because it's Jabari Smith and, and Chet Holmgren. And then to make it, you know, expand a little bit, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler against Chet Holmgren and Drew Trimmey. You know, those are probably the two best front courts in college basketball. So, um, you know, I'm really excited about this NCAA tournament. I mean, that's an event that always delivers. You don't always know where the stories are going to come from, but the stories are always going to be there somewhere. And so this will obviously be that. But it's, you know, maybe I'm off here. But it just feels like this is going to be really fun because you've got, um, you know, I think Gonzaga's the best team. Certainly the computers believe Gonzaga's the best team. But I don't think they're unbeatable, evidence being they've already been beaten twice this season. Um, you've got, um, you know, some big brands that are at the tip-top of the sport right now, Kentucky, Kansas, UCLA, Duke, all in the top ten at Ken Palm. Um, you know, and then you've got some, you know, uh, uh, you know, other schools that maybe aren't traditional basketball powers, but certainly have been nationally relevant basketball programs in recent years, like Baylor, your reigning national champion, Texas Tech, did tremendous under first-year coach Mark Adams, and Auburn is very much a, a part of that group. So uh, I guess I'd put it this way. Um, last year I was pretty – I felt pretty good that the national champion was going to be either Gonzaga or Baylor. Those two teams did sort of – at different points in the season, look like the two best teams in the country. I don't know that I feel comfortable saying it's definitely going to be this team or that team this season, but I do think um, there's a list of about seven or eight, maybe nine, that have a realistic chance to do it, and Auburn is definitely on that list. Talking with Gary Parrish here uh, on today's sports call. Gary, um, before I ask this question, I'm, I'm going to go back to real quick. The uh, When you were here in town for Kentucky, you wrote a story uh, with Kentucky in town. Auburn gets another chance to make history. Uh, down in there, uh, it was shared a picture of all the kids camping out in the tents, uh, a Twitter handle that was shared. That, that just happened to be mine. So I appreciate I I loved uh, opening the story up. I was like, oh, my gosh, my Twitter's on CBS National Story. I was like, how about that? So thank oh, you. That, that's neat. Yeah, so, so I, I will send your um, appreciation to my editor. There you go. They're the, ones, they're, they're the ones who figured that out. All I do is type the words and, and then send it in, and I let other people take it from there. But that's nice. Yeah, that, I appreciate you pointing that out. Yeah, oh man, it, it was awesome. Yeah, I said, as Brent Musburger would say, you're looking live outside Auburn <laughs> Arena. So there you go. I, I love seeing it. But anyway, um, getting into Auburn uh, better though, Jabari Smith. There's so much talk and hype about him. You've seen him with your own eyes. What is it about Jabari Smith's game that makes him so good? He's six ten and shoots it. Um, <laughs> I mean, like let's keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. He's six ten and and shoots it, and he shoots it um, flawlessly. High release, quick release. Um, he can shoot over basically anybody. 
Um, he's a. I go back and forth on this. Um, there are times when I'm, I'm certain I know what I would do with the number one pick in the draft, and I'm just not on this one. I mean, I could make a reasonable argument for Jabari Smith, but also for Paulo Bencaro, also for Chet Holmgren. It's definitely going to be one of those three, and depending on the week, I, I could fall in love with with any of them. But um, yeah, they're all terrific prospects, and, and Jabari has um, probably exceeded all reasonable expectations. You know, in what I'm assuming will be his one year at Auburn. Um, needs to, I think even he would acknowledge this. Um, you know, get a little better with the handle. You know, he, he's got to bounce it a little more. You know, I, I know that. It is frustrating for Auburn fans when you watch the end of that game um, on Saturday and you don't even get a shot and you've got Jabari Smith on your team because it's like, why wouldn't why would you just get the ball to the guy who might be the number one pick of the draft? Right. And while I, I totally understand that perspective, um, I think what Bruce Pearl would tell you if he were talking to you privately is that with seven and a half seconds left and you're taking it out of bounds from the sideline, um, He's not really a guy you're going to throw the ball to right there and have him bounce it four or five times and create his own shot. Like, there are plenty of guys in college basketball who can do that. But Jabari Smith, for all his talent, is not really that guy right now. He's more of a catch-and-shoot guy. I saw an interesting stat connected to him last week, and forgive me if the numbers are slightly off, but the sentiment is true. It was like he had made maybe 42 jumpers in the SEC, as of last week, on like 43 dribbles total. Like it's, it's a one-bounce shoot or a catch-and-shoot mostly for him. And so there are clear areas of improvement, but being 6'10", able to shoot it that way, being a real competitor, somebody who values winning, uh, being a guy who has by all accounts been an incredible teammate, like fit in seamlessly with these guys, and um, coming from a family – um, that, that has a strong core. Like, you know, his father was a professional basketball player. I, I'm telling you, NBA executives more and more often now than ever really value that. You look at Steph Curry and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, you know, people who grow up around it, um, there's a pretty obvious pattern, like a trend that they, you know, children of pros turn into pros. Um, often these days. And um, obviously Jabari's got that working in his favor as well. So he's a tremendous prospect. He could go one. I can't imagine he goes any lower than three. And he's going to be in the NBA for a long, long time. All right, the next game for Jabari Smith is coming up on Wednesday against Ole Miss, a home game for the Tigers as they're having to bounce back from the loss to Florida. And Auburn already played Ole Miss in Oxford this season. The Tigers trailed by double digits but came back to win it. What's also nice and interesting about the game coming up on Wednesday is that it is the coaching for literacy game the fourth year that Auburn University has hosted one of these games presented by International Paper uh, green lapel pins are going to be in the forefront and wristbands for coaches to be wearing but Gary uh, why is this so important for this event to take place well um, I appreciate you um, highlighting it and I, I can't thank Bruce and his staff enough for being involved uh, to answer your question, frankly, why is it important? It's important because in Alabama, 42% of fourth graders aren't reading at basic level, and less than 28% are considered, profi- um, are considered proficient readers. You know, those are obviously troubling numbers because right. what we know 
is that children who are not reading at grade level by fourth grade will likely face challenges with poverty, the justice system, um, challenges obtaining a job or health care, and they'll likely have many other struggles in their life, which are often systemic. Uh, and the pandemic has only increased uh, the potential for these challenges. And that's where coaching for literacy comes in. You know, coaching for literacy, fight for literacy games, like Auburn against Ole Miss, you know, what they do is empower teams, players, businesses, and fans to promote childhood reading in their communities. And 100% of the money raised is invested in effective local literacy organizations to give kids the ability to read. This is, like you said, the fourth year that Auburn's been involved with international paper, and BP and his staff are going to wear green lapel pins and wristbands to promote childhood reading. And 100% of the donations raised by fans and by local businesses, they're going to benefit students at Brantley Elementary School and Auburn Youth Program. So uh, if anybody out there wants to learn more, and if you're capable of, of participating, donating, uh, that's obviously an awesome deal. You can learn more at coachingforliteracy.org. And if you want to get straight to the Auburn page, it's coachingforliteracy.org slash Auburn. Let's have a little fun with Bruce Pearl obviously getting to be in the mix. We know that in years past, the suit jackets have been a thing of sidelines for college basketball for Bruce Pearl. A number of moments in basketball games where he throws it off, but more notably that he's sweating profusely throughout his entire suit. And so now that that is no longer uh, the apparel, there's no green ties that are being worn. So we move more towards the lapel pins for the jackets and wristbands and whatnot but uh yeah pretty awesome for bruce pearl knowing what he goes through throughout a game how animated and passionate he is for him to be one of the forefront figures for this gary well i um uh, yeah when i saw all the coaches make it appropriate to not wear suits while working i was hoping that would trickle down to television amen and we could, <laughs> and we could go into uh studio uh, uh you know for cbs sports and not have to wear a suit but we haven't got there yet. Still suits and ties for us, but uh, the overwhelming majority of coaches are now um, not wearing suits while they coach. And Mick Cronin still is at UCLA, right. looking sharp every game, but most coaches have gone to a more relaxing, casual look, which is, you know, as somebody who only wears a suit when he's on television or, you know, at a funeral, um, I can appreciate um, the more casual approach. I, I, I dig it. Gary, I've got two more, and then I promise we'll get you out of here. So, obviously, the big talking point in the sport today is the events that transpired yesterday, and I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, get your perspective on this, obviously alluding to Jawan Howard, Greg Gard at Wisconsin, and the scuffle that took place with Jawan Howard. What are you hearing is likely to happen? What should happen there at Michigan with their basketball program? I'll stop short of termination, um, but uh, Juwan Howard should be suspended, and he will be suspended. And um, my understanding is that announcement is is coming literally any minute. Um, I don't know the length of it, but um, he will face real punishment, and he should. For people who maybe have only seen the viral clip and don't really know the backstory, um, I'll, I'll walk you through it real quick to explain what happened. In the final 20 seconds of the game, Michigan's down 15 points, but still pressing. Wisconsin's put its backups in, and Michigan, down 15 with 15 seconds left, is pressing, trying to call the turnover. So Greg Gard, the Wisconsin coach at that point, calls a timeout to avoid the turnover. And Juwan Howard got upset about that. So then the game ends, handshake line goes down, um, and Juwan Howard lifts his mask down, or pulls his mask down, rather, 
and 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 says quite clearly to Greg Gard, I'm going to remember that S. At which point Greg stopped him, and I don't think put his hands on him. That's the way Jawan interpreted a man put his hands on me. I think Greg was just like stopping him to say, hold up. The reason I called that timeout is because you were still competing with 15 seconds left, down 15, pressing my back up. <laughs> like, if you want us to just dribble out the clock, we're happy to just dribble out the clock. But once you're still competing, trying to turn my backups over, then as a coach, I owe it to them to get them out of that bad situation. So I call the timeout to reset the 10-second clock and get things under control. In other words, if Jawan Howard isn't pressing the Wisconsin backups down 15 with 15 seconds left, then Greg Gard never calls a timeout, and that game ends like every other game. But once Jawan Howard said, we're still competing, Greg Gard said, okay, well, then I guess we're still competing. And then, you know, I don't know what Joe Kravenhoff, the Wisconsin assistant coach, said or did to escalate it. He clearly did something that bothered Juwan Howard. But short of a racial slur, um, you're going to have a hard time getting me to a point to where I'm going to say, okay, well, I understand why Juwan Howard hit a Wisconsin coach in the face. Because that is what he did. And, like, my brother doesn't follow college basketball at all. Even he texted me yesterday and was like, how, how often does stuff like this happen? And I said, never. Yeah. Coaches don't hit each other. And so Jawan was in the wrong. Perhaps some other people played a role to escalate it to that level. But the, the wrong here starts and stops with Jawan Howard, and he's going to pay a price for it. All right, the last thing, and then we'll let him go. Gary Parrish here from CBS Sports on Twitter, at Gary Parish CBS. Again, make sure you contribute the Fight for Literacy game on Wednesday between the Auburn Tigers and Ole Miss. He's almost a presidential figure at this point, or at least he's uh, recognized, he's loved and admired in that regard. And obviously I'm referring to Sir Charles, Charles Barkley, the beloved Auburn figure. Gary, a number of times throughout your career, you have had the pleasure of sharing a television set with Barkley. What the hell is that like, and maybe what's a fun story that you've got for us? I tell you, sharing a television set with Charles is great. Uh, going to the bar with Charles is great. <laughs> um, you know, uh, pre-pandemic, and hopefully we'll get back to this this year, but Charles and Kenny and Ernie and those guys come up here to New York. I'm in New York right now. They come up here, and they're in studio with us. And so, you know, night's over, and we'll go out and um, and not like go out crazy, like there's a little bar right next to the CBS Broadcast Center, and we go there. <laughs> I think it's called Faces and Names. And it's, it, you know, it wouldn't be just me and Charles, but me, Charles, and maybe seven other people. And obviously when Charles Barkley walks into a bar in midtown Manhattan, everybody recognizes him. Everybody wants his time. Everybody wants a picture. Um, and I, I have never seen literally anybody so patient um, and, and, and make time for literally everybody. He'll take a picture with anybody. He'll buy a round of drinks for a table, guys and girls. Um, like, you know, my wife called me one time while we were there, you know, out. And she was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm with Charles. And she was like, her, she, my wife was with one of her friends who's like a massive basketball fan. And she was like, you with Charles Barkley? I'm like, yeah. And, and, and this, my wife's friend was like, oh, my God. And, and, and Charles got on FaceTime with her and, like, <laughs> you know, talked to her for two minutes. He's just – he's a really generous guy and, and obviously unbelievably talented in the studio, but uh, just a load of fun to be around. I, I tell you, the Charles that you see on TV, um, that is the Charles that, um, that you, you can sit down with at the bar. 
or you know off camera. He, he's a, he's a blast. There's everybody loves him, and there's a reason why. Um, because uh, he, he's fun to be around. Absolutely amazing. I still love seeing him supporting the Auburn Tigers and making the trips down frequently throughout the season to Auburn Arena. Gary, look, this has been absolutely incredible. We really do appreciate the time. Would be honored to get the chance to uh, chat with you as, as March Madness nears and uh, again sometime soon in the future of our show. So thank you again for the time today, Gary. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you guys having me. Take care.